Hi there, this is Ann Angela Webb, the Animal Intuitive. I wanted to thank you for listening and wish you a very happy new year. And also quickly mention that if you're interested in any of my services, such as my animal communication and wellness plan, which includes telepathic animal communication and a personalized pet care plan, including acupressure points, custom chosen for your pet, please visit my website, intuitivetouchanimalcare.com. And there you can also access my free 90 minute animal communication course and or meditation through Animal Intuitive Academy. Sign up for my mailing list so you get early access to special offers and updates like my soon to be released children's book, which I am so excited to bring you. Also, if you are not listening to this episode on Spotify, you may have already heard this episode. That's because I've been uploading these episodes to one podcast channel, which shares it to the rest of them. But Spotify doesn't like the format I was using, and I didn't realize they were not showing up on Spotify. So I apologize for any confusion, and maybe you'll want to listen again. Also, if you would like to watch this episode or to check out my extensive video playlist, use the link in the description for the Animal Intuitive channel on YouTube. Hi there. On today's show, we're talking about are pet vaccines dangerous? Do the risks outweigh the benefits? And is there a way to keep your pets protected without putting them at risk? Here to discuss in an exclusive interview is Dr. Rohini Satish, doctor of veterinary medicine and author of How to Heal Your Pet. Pets, where we will, and we're going to dive tonight deep into this extremely important topic of pet vaccines, and as well as titers, and also answer any questions that you might have. But I want to welcome you to the Animal Intuitive channel first, where we give animals a voice through animal communication, natural pet care. We have interviews with experts in the fields of animal care and advocacy, as well as supporting the well-being of pet parents. I'm an Angela Webb, and I'm here tonight with Dr. Rohini. Satish, who is an award-winning, highly experienced, holistic, integrative veterinarian and a qualified animal healer based in New Jersey and author of You Can Heal Your Pet. She has a proven 25-year track record as a successful and compassionate integrative veterinary surgeon. Dr. Rohini has trained in acupuncture, Western and Ayurvedic herbal therapies, animal healing, sound therapy, homeopathy, and traditional Chinese medicine. She believes these all help to fill the gaps in conventional veterinary medicine and add to her toolkit, enabling her to be an even better, complete veterinarian. And Dr. Rohini has appeared on global television and Hay House Radio, answering questions on pet health and animal welfare. In addition to all of this, uh, Dr. Rohini is fluent in seven languages. She is a natural orator and has won several debating and elocution competitions. She trained in Indian classical music for 16 years since the age of six and has won innumerable competitions and awards both at school and university level as a soloist vocal, vocalist soprano. Dr. Ravini continued to perform also in the UK, continues to perform musically in the UK and gives performances both in the UK and around the world. So that's her professional singing portion of her career. We probably won't be doing that tonight, but because <laughs> we have some other things to talk about, but pretty, pretty interesting background. So welcome, Dr. Satish. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for having me on your show tonight. I'm looking forward to enlightening your viewers on my book and the pros and cons of vaccination. And maybe some, we can, if we have time, we can touch on energy healing as well. Wonderful. And also, I failed to mention that Dr. Satish is 
my vet for my animals. So we're very excited to have her here. And welcome everybody who is here watching in the chat live and also if you're here in the replay. Thank you so much for watching that. Hi Moose Moose, good to have you here tonight. And we want to let you know too, if you, are, if you are in the chat and you have questions as we go along, please feel free to put those in the chat. And hi, Mel Mack. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Mel Mack is such a wonderful person. She helps me out. She does modding here. So that is very, I'm very grateful for that. So people often search for information regarding the safety, necessity, and potential side effects of vaccinating their pets. But Dr. Satish, they may not be getting the whole story. It can be kind of, I think, overwhelming, confusing, maybe even a little scary for pet parents. So I did ask the um, community on YouTube here what concerns they might have about giving pets vaccines. And just to kind of start us off, this is what the results of that poll were. We had... I kind of misspelled this and then YouTube wouldn't let me change it and people had already started filling out the poll. But do you have concerns about giving pets vaccines? So we had kind of a, a really interesting, like it was split almost evenly. I mean, I do all initial vaccines, boosters with no concerns, and I only worry about doing too many boosters and I do only the absolute required. My vet does titering and we'll talk about titering. Those were split, and then I do I do worry, but I also worry about not giving all my vaccines and boosters. That was the least checked one. So kind of almost evenly was like across the board, like people were kind of all over the place. So that's kind of what we're probably bringing in as far as people watching, where they're at with this. It's a very split up mm. kind of community with that, so... When I'm impressed that 29% has stated that I'm quite happy to do titers and do few boosters. That is very impressive. But it's also, on, a, on the flip side, a bit concerning because I think we need to get the word out there that it's not necessary to get boosters for certain diseases every single year. So that's what we're here to talk about, I think. Yeah, definitely. I want to hear all about this. And maybe just to get us started, um, you have such an interesting background. And I'm wondering if you could tell us how you came to be a holistic integrated veterinarian and qualified animal healer and how that led into you having con some concerns about the traditional use of uh, vaccines. See, I'm originally from India, and I come from a family which, where my grandmother was always using Ayurvedic medicine and natural remedies at home. And my grandfather on my mom's side was well-versed in homeopathy. So whenever we were sick as kids, we tend to, they used to give us either homeopathic medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, and we used to be quite fine. But I always wanted to be a veterinarian, uh, unlike many Indian <laughs> doctors, families where everybody has to be a doctor, human doctor. My father was quite supportive, and we used to have um, our own cows and calves, and I had a always had a wonderful relationship with animals and I decided quite young and so I decided that I would be a vet but once I got into vet school finished the course we did touch upon some Ayurvedic medicine in vet school in India I won a scholarship to study in England I was one of seven from India and I was studying for a master's in wildlife management 
after finishing that, my husband was with me and he started studying, so doing his PhD in immunology. So I got uh, my Royal College qualifications and started practicing in England. I was totally conventional. We did nothing holistic until uh, my cat um, felt really, really um, sick with um, what we call um, bile duct carcinoma. So it starts out like pancreatic cancer, and she also developed bile duct carcinoma, and she was, um, uh, her name was Silky. And um, they kind of gave up on her and said, after spending like what? I went to a specialist, and we spent like 8,000 pounds. And they said, there's nothing more we can do, and you should euthanize your pet. So I was devastated. She was very special to me. And I reached out to some energy healers, hoping there might be a miracle. Somebody would be able to help. And then Elizabeth Wider, who is my co-author in the book, You Can Heal Your Pet. She reached out to me and she lived quite far away, but she sent her student over to my clinic. And Silky, my cat, had not moved for days. Um, she was very sick. But the healer came, she gave us some energy healing, and they offered her some essential oils. And for the first time in a week, Silky jumped up and sat on the couch on her own. Wow. I was amazed. We had kind of resigned that nothing was going to make a difference uh, because the cancer had spread everywhere and we couldn't do anything else. So to see her getting energy and all she had was taken a whiff of bergamot and the energy healing from the healer and I saw the effect it had on her I was gobsmacked and Silky passed away in my arms a few days after and all that but I then decided that I'm not just going to rely on conventional medicine I needed more tools in my toolbox and I need to know more about other modalities. So I trained, I did a diploma in energy healing with Elizabeth Wider. I did some an, an animal communication course with her. Then I started training in acupuncture, acupressure. It didn't stop. I just tried to explore everything because I believe that ancient medicine has a place. And it doesn't matter what ultimately cures you, whether it's ancient medicine or conventional medicine, but we want the welfare of the pet. So I that's how it started. It was a personal experience that triggered this whole journey. And I always credit Silky with being that, what shall we say, the reason catalyst. behind. Yeah, no, the catalyst for my journey. And <laughs> I haven't looked back since. And one of the things I was going to, I always mention to my clients is that, Remember that at the end of the day, we, we are here to alleviate suffering and we want to do the best we can. And it doesn't matter what modality you have to choose. But once you reach, you've been doing this for 35 years like I have, you kind of know what conditions respond to what modality. So there's no one shoe fits all. It's all about personalized medicine. So... It's wrong to say that everybody has to use this or every animal has to have this shot. So that brings us to the topic of vaccinations. And um, key principle in any medical field is do no harm. Okay. And I started realizing that if you over vaccinate, you can do more harm than good. So that's where I started researching more and read on Dr. Jean Dodd's articles on the excess 
excessive increase we are seeing in diseases like atopy, allergic dermatitis, and sometimes even uh, some autoimmune diseases. And um, we started realizing that a lot of it has to do with over-vaccination. Uh, and then I, when I wrote the book, I wrote a whole chapter on the vaccination debate. And in that, I have told you what the World Small Animal Veterinary Association tells you about the key guidelines you have to follow when vaccinating your pet. You don't have to give every single vaccine every year to every pet. This you have to. That's the thing. Yes, that's a book. <laughs> and I would strongly, strongly advise you to reach that chapter. It kind of will answer all of your questions. But since we're here, let me try and take it step by step and give you some explanations. How many of your clients uh, don't know what titers are? And are they all pretty holistic or how are your viewers? I'm not sure. I'd love to hear in the chat from people. If if put a Put a one if you use titers if you're familiar with them with your with your pets and put a two if not one if yes titers two if not and and by the way if you're watching this please if you're benefiting from it please like subscribe and share the show we do appreciate it and we'll see what people say about that i would say that in my the work that i do i almost want to say like probably more than 50-50, but maybe like maybe like 70-30. I definitely have people that I work with as a communicator and even doing massage and acupressure that that don't haven't done titers. It, yeah. it might just be their vet hasn't told them. They they like their vet and they've been yeah. with them for a while, but they haven't educated the client about it. So if there's one thing you, your viewers are going to take away from this talk, oh, that's good. So Tammy Benson, she says yeah. she learned about titles a while back. So that's good. Well done. And then we've got two um, here that do, do not, are not for okay. So let's put it like this. Just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're immunized. Okay. Two different things. So the only way to know if you're definitely immunized is if you titer test, which means you're going to take blood, send it off to a laboratory, and they will test if you have enough antibodies to that disease against which you were vaccinated. Okay? So until you have proof, you don't really know if you're immunized. Let's put it like that. That's the simplest way. You could be vaccinated, but you might not necessarily be immunized. So at some point, we used to say, even if you have a puppy course, let's say you finish the full course. It is important to tighten a test when you finish the course after about uh, 18, 19 weeks because sometimes maternal antibodies are still circulating in the puppy's system and they neutralize the vaccines, especially if they were given too early. So unless the last vaccination was given at 16 weeks or 14 weeks at least, you might find that your puppy got all the shots, but it's not necessarily protected against the disease. It happens rarely, but I have heard of it. So what we do when we do titer testing is let us say your dog is due for its next distemper, parvo, and hepatitis shot because they usually come as a combination. We send, take blood and send it away for a titer test. And that will tell us if your pet has enough antibodies against distemper, against hepatitis, and against parvovirus. And if you, let's say you have enough antibodies against distemper and hepatitis, but not enough against parvo, then we just vaccinate your pet for parvo. 
we don't vaccinate for distemper and hepatitis. So this is basically evidence-based medicine. Mm -hmm. So we only give you the protection that you need. Before, we used to like, oh, it doesn't matter. And even if you're one day over, we used to say, oh my God, this pet is not protected. And you'd have to restart the shots. We've now realized after enough research that that's not good practice. Yeah. You only need to give those shots that you do not have protection against. And that's where the tighter test comes in. But this is important. Not every disease can be, disease antibodies show up in titers and they're not reliable. So only rabies in, in dogs, I'm coming to dogs now, just rabies, distemper, hepatitis, and parvo. These are the four diseases we can confidently titer and be sure that there is protection because these vaccines last sometimes a lifetime. Now, this is very important. If your puppy has had its puppy shots and it had the annual booster, there's a very good chance he or she is protected for life. And I'm talking a lifetime. And we look about average of 10 years. Okay. So this whole thing about giving them boosters every single year is very outdated. So the latest guidelines say every three years. So you should get a distemper, hepatitis, parvo vaccine every three years, and the rabies shot every three years. But if you can tie the test after, at these three-year time and you are found to have your puppy or your dog has enough antibodies, there's no need to vaccinate again. If they fail and if your pet is healthy, then we might give it a shot to booster. But remember this, if you look at any vaccine data sheet, it clearly says, do not vaccinate a sick or unhealthy animal. So if your pet is not well, is immunosuppressed, has got lots of allergies or has lots of chronic disease or has cancer, your vet should ideally waive the vaccine mm -hmm. because your pet is already dealing with a lot of stuff. The last thing it needs is something. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is obviously your lifestyle. Let us say you have a pet that's completely indoors and never goes out. There's no need to protect against certain diseases because simply because you're not going to be exposed to it. But let's say you live in the woods and your dog could get bitten by some wild animal, which could be rabid like a fox or something like that. Then you have to be careful, at least tie the test, be sure they're protected or at least get the rabies shot every three years. And of course, if your pet doesn't like other animals or has may attack a human or an animal, then you're protecting your pet from being taken away by giving the rabies shot. Because I'm mm -hmm. telling you this, if your pet is not up to date with the rabies shot and he or she ends up biting another pet or another human, you ha he has to be quarantined and it's not, it's, it's not nice. So my strong advice to be, if you have a temperamental pet, if you have 100% control over it, then it's your choice. But otherwise, I strongly recommend you keep them up to date with the rabies shot, especially in the USA, because it's required by law. It's because it's a one disease which has a 100% mortality rate. You could actually die of rabies if a human is bitten or an animal is bitten by a rabid animal and you're not protected, you could die. So hope that explains things a bit more clearly, Anne.
I can't hear you, Anne. That's because I had hit mute to clear my throat. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I can. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I was like, probably nobody could hear me. I was, my lips were moving while you were talking, just as you were talking about animals that don't get along. My cats were starting to have a little scuffle around me. That's why I was like, but so my, my, what I was thinking as you were talking is how it's evidence-based to, to test them. And yeah, my husband's like, no sound. Okay. We're, we're on a delay. So it's evidence-based to test them, but I don't know if you found this being in the field, but I feel like people would look at me kind of funny, like more traditional vets would look at me funny if I would ask about titering um, in the past, and then I just stopped going to, for the most part, traditional vets, for unless there's mm-hmm. some reason mm-hmm. that you have to go out for some other like test or whatever. That, but for the most part, I don't. I go to holistic. I go to M. Do you find in that in your field that it's becoming more acceptable, or is, is there um, yes. pushback? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let's answer that question. Please give a like. Okay, all right. <laughs> it used to be something that many vets didn't know about, but every single vet has heard about titer testing because we have done it for other diseases and stuff. But late, but the cost factor used to be the big thing. Like a vaccine is very, very, let's how say, in, uh, inexpensive. So mm-hmm. let's say a rabies shot is, I don't know, depending on what your vet charges in the it could be something like maybe 55 to $60. And you have the obviously the annual exam fee. So, but the, a titer test can be anywhere from 200 to $300 for rabies because it has to go to a special, not every lab is allowed to test for a rabies titer. It has to be a special lab. So like we send ours to Kansas State University and there's a lab there that does the test. So, but remember that test is valid for three years. So the titer does stand for three years, but a lot of people can't afford that money. They'd rather just give the rabies shot. You know, so we've developed a system where we have now a homeopathic remedy based on our research. And we just use that to give the pet after the rabies shot to minimize the side effects. So that's something we can do if money is an issue, because unfortunately, titers are not cheap because it involves it's actually blood work and it's very specialized everything is based on demand and supply and because rabies shot is so popular and the vaccines are not that expensive you get it for like a and there's a lot of free rabies clinics you know from the township and stuff so those of you who can't afford it you know have to go down this route but if you can and you want to you should think about i'm saving myself a lot of money with my pet getting lots of other conditions mm-hmm. as it gets older and he or she gets older so i'm you should be feel more inclined to invest in the titer so that if your pet passes the titer your vaccine can be waived mm-hmm. obviously you have to look into your township if your township doesn't accept titers then it might be an issue, but if you work with a good holistic vet, they can help you because at the end of the day, all of us want the same thing, which is that your pet's well-being and that he or she is protected. And so are the people who are in come in contact with your pet, you know? Yeah. So the distemper parvo titer can be quite reasonable. I used to do like titer clinics in my clinic, like a whole day of just titer testing and give them the results the very next day. And it's simple, it's effective. And I've I've given you the titer certificate and waived the vaccine. 
Okay, so it's completely okay to ask for titles. Yes, Mel. Thank you for your question. It's totally, totally fine. And nobody is going to judge you. In fact, they're going to be uh, happy that you're knowledgeable. But uh, that's why one of my chapters in my book is how to vet your vet. So you need to pick the right vet for yourself and your family. And if you feel that your vet is giving you a lot of pushback, doesn't want to do tighter tests and stuff like that, you should be willing to change your vet and go somewhere where they're open to work with you because it's a joint effort. And with more and more uh, pet, that's why we said when uh, we wrote the book that we want to empower the pet guardian so they become fully aware and know what's right and wrong rather than have to listen to everything. Because um, let's put it like this, to a lot of veterinarians, the annual check is about annual checkup or annual physical exam is an important source of income, okay? And they send you a reminder. And they used to feel that, oh, if we don't insist on the boosters, they're not going to show up for the physical exam and the pet's quality of life or health is going to suffer because then they show up when the pet is really sick and by then it's too late. Whereas if they come in for an annual physical exam, they have the boosters and stuff, we give the pet a full exam and we can identify and catch diseases, before they get to that stage where nothing can be done, which is a fair point. But if you are willing to go in for a physical exam and your annual, even without getting a vaccine and are willing to go instead and ask for a titer, every vet will be more than happy to help as far as mm -hmm. I know, because they are going to take your pet. Anyway, in the USA, we do what is called the 4DX, or the heartworm test to check for Lyme, Ehrlichia, Anaplasma, and heartworm. So we're going to draw blood anyway. All we need to draw a little more blood and send it to the lab to check for titers, and it's done. It's the same one blood draw. So even you think non-holistic vets are more than are now generally doing titers or no testing? Every vet has the capacity to do the titer because most labs now offer titer testing okay. but not everybody does it on a routine basis but 90 per nine most of every single holistic vet i know does titer testing so somebody asked a question why are titer tests so expensive mm -hmm. let's put it like this as i said it's what the lab charges us the vaccine is extremely, extremely cost-effective to buy because they, we buy it in bulk. Whereas a titer test is, that's what the lab charges us because it's a specialist service. So like certain, like fecal, for example, if you want to do fecal tests in your uh, pet, it's subsidized to the vet and also by the lab because it's a very common thing you do. Because titer tests aren't that popular, it's not subsidized. So they are expensive to do. It takes up more lab time because we have to take the animal, draw a lot of blood, send it off, then report the results. So it is more work than just giving a rabies shot. So yeah. that's why they tend to be expensive because they're not that common. They're not that popular and they involve more work. Yeah. Uh, since I started, I would say they've become a lot more cost effective. But in the beginning, they were pretty expensive. Now, now this tempo parvo titers are very reasonable. I think you can get it for something like between 150 to 180. And it's lasts for three years. So 
I think it's a good choice mm -hmm. if you yes. can afford it. But if you have an extremely, I don't want to see, this is another thing I tell people, don't get, feel bad that you can't afford it, stuff like that. Talk to your vet and see what they can do for you. But if you have a completely healthy animal, and it's and and you need the vaccines because you have to take it to the kennels and they're going to be boarded or you have to insure them and stuff then you can still go ahead and get the shots but get only the core vaccines okay so there's two types of vaccines the core vaccines which are distemper for dogs distemper hepatitis parvo and obviously rabies leptospirosis is considered core in certain areas so let's say you live in an area where there's a lot of wildlife rat infestation stuff like that then you might have to get the leptospirosis vaccine as well because lepto is again zoonotic that means humans can get it and it can be life-threatening but if you, the good thing about lepto is it is a treatable disease. So most vaccinations are for diseases that you cannot cure or can cost your pet's life if you don't vaccinate, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why they're called core and non-core. So if you go to the website called Vaccine Guidelines Group of the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, you know exactly which vaccines are core, which are not core. Okay. And what it's, is that called? It's, World, uh... it's called... WSAVA, so World Small Animal Vaccine Association, WSAVA, and then there's a group in it which is called the Vaccination Guidelines Group. So you just read what they advise and you'll clearly see what, what your pet needs. And as far as cats go, it's the feline distemper and the rabies, that's core. The feline leukemia and is not considered core but again if your pet is an outdoor cat that can get into fights i would strongly advocate getting that vaccine because that's again life-threatening so it's better to get a feline leukemia vaccine and unfortunately the titer test except for panleukopenia in cats is not very good so except again only rabies usually we tend to titer test for rabies and for feline panleukopenia as far as titer testing goes mm -hmm. and it's the the results are reliable with the kennel cough vaccine which is the boratella which most um, pets have to get if they go to boarding or daycare that's nothing to do with actual veterinarians it's everything to do with the liability insurance of your boating people. Mm -hmm. So if they have been told that you're, they cannot cover dogs that do not have the vaccine, then there's nothing else can be done. But let me put it that way. It's a very, it's a vaccine that doesn't harm the dog very much. And most of them are fine. But is it the most effective vaccine? Not really, because you can get kennel cough from a million viruses too. And sometimes you can be vaccinated and still get it. That's why respiratory diseases like kennel cough and even COVID are hard to be hard to get protection through vaccines because they are in the air. Anything that's based on droplet infection, like we call it through the air, is hard to vaccinate against, whereas more systemic diseases are uh, is easier to protect with vaccines, but things like Boratella um, are harder. But it's a harmless vaccine. It doesn't cause a lot of harm. And also try and stagger it. Don't get all the shots on the same day because then you won't know what your pet reacted to. 
So I always say to people, try and get different vaccines on different days. So like a week apart. So by the time your body has got used to the rabies, you know that, okay, he didn't have a side effect to rabies. And you can go and get the other shot if it's necessary. But definitely do get the puppy vaccinations and one annual booster because that definitely protects your, uh, and same with kittens, just make sure that the final vaccine is at 14 to 16 weeks. If you do it too early, you might not get the benefit of the vaccine because it's neutralized, as I said before, by the maternal antibodies and the protection that's given by the mom. It might, the antibodies will neutralize the vaccine. So they, you might, your pet might be vaccinated, but not really immunized. That's so interesting. This is great information. You're right, Malmak. It's it's so fascinating, and I think of it as yes, it is. It is money up front, but you have to think long term. What mm. what is this going to do to your pet? Like when it, I just it's interesting how it's just not really discussed that much. And maybe we could talk a little about. I you know right in the beginning you talked a, briefly about it, but what types of things do you see? What animals do you see people a lot of animals having immediate reactions or within a week or very rarely very rarely so i in my experience i mean you obviously have just like people there are some animals that tend to have an immediate reaction to a shot and we usually immediately put an alert and say had a really bad reaction to this and we try and give them a shot of Benadryl before they come for the next booster especially if it's absolutely necessary but if it's an older animal and it's a very uh, calm animal that's not going to get into problems we will not we will I will wave the vaccine and say it's doing more harm than good. So let's wave the vaccine and let's do this this and this to protect your animal. So it can be done. So immediate reactions are rare and they happen more to uh, certain vaccines as opposed to others. Okay, What I am talking about really is the long-term effects of repeated yearly boosters. That's what I'm talking about. People never made the connection before, but now we make the connection. This is how I describe it. If you keep stimulating your immune system all the time, sometimes it can become go over the top and react to everything. So it's important. So um, lots and lots of vets are now doing the three-year for the distemper hepatitis parvo and the three-year for the rabies, which is a huge improvement because when I first started, it was yearly. It was too much. Now, we used to be allowed to use a word called vaccinosis, but a lot of, um, now there's a lot of rules that you can't use that word, but Dr. Jean Dodd used it in her book and it talks about the, ill effects of vaccines and the long-term conditions you can get. And in my book, I've given you a full list of conditions that may be related. But this is the problem. You can never prove that it was the vaccine that caused it. This, you can't prove causation. So if you can't prove causation, then the only way to go is go with your gut. And, and if you feel that, you know what, I, my pet was doing great and it seems to be related to this. That's why when we do a holistic consult, we always, we always ask you, when was your last shot? Because then we can see if there's a pattern to it. So, But because there's a million reasons for different conditions, it's hard to point out that it's the vaccine. But what we have, there's definitely proof that it's a better idea to tighter test and go easy on the vaccines and not go crazy about it, especially when there's proof that usually one 
The puppy course and one annual booster is enough to last a lifetime. Okay, you know? thank you. And that, that's kind of related to the question I was going to ask, and Mel Mack asked it. Can vaccines be adjusted to size or age for a, full, for a family? Is it is, okay. They're doing this one-size-fits-all amount, right? Isn't that? Okay. Now, this is something I keep telling my wonderful pet guardians. That's what I call them. Rather than saying clients, they're called pet guardians because you are a guardian to this pet in this lifetime. That's how I look at it, okay? And we are honored to have them in our lives. That's how I think of pets and because they're beautiful souls who um, do a lot for us and give us so much love unconditionally, okay? Now, so think of it like this. Let's say you have a, a cup of water this size and you add a pinch of salt to it. How much salt is in that big cup? One pinch, okay? Now I have a cup that small and I add one pinch of salt to it. How much salt is in this one? The same. One pinch. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line as far as immunology goes and vaccine goes has nothing to do with the dose because you need that much vaccine the same amount of the disease particles or the virus is there whether you give 1 ml or 5 ml. So if I reduce it, you're going to get half the amount of the actual, let's say, deactivated virus or something. So don't worry about the size of the dose of the vaccine. It doesn't matter because whether you drink one cup of water or half cup of water, what you're getting is the same dose of the vaccine. Okay, so we don't have to, it's not like an antibiotic or it's not like other steroids or other medication where the dose is dependent on the weight of the dog. Immunology works differently. It has nothing to do with the size of the pet. It all, it's about how much is required to create an immune response and produce enough antibodies so your pet can be protected if it were to be exposed to that disease right? So this whole thing about why are they giving the same amount to a large dog and a small pet is explained in that simple thing. It doesn't matter simply because the amount is not dose dependent. It, it, it doesn't work like it does with antibiotics and stuff. It's like that. And everybody used to be scared about thimerosal in vaccines. And nowadays we see that a lot of holistic vets, we carry the thimerosal free vaccine, especially for the rabies. So thimerosal used to be considered a problem. How much of that is true? I don't know, because there's some papers which say it never was a problem. Some people say it's a problem, all the publications. But we now at Longevity Vet Center and my clinic, in the Bag of Bones Barkery, we and in the other hospital where I work, which is Wayne Valley Animal Hospital, we only carry thimerosal-free rabies vaccines. So you can ask your vet, can I have the Imbrab rabies TF or the thimerosal-free vaccine? And many of them will order it in for you. You can always go another day and get the safer vaccine if it makes you feel better. But the question originally was about the dose thing. The dose doesn't matter. It's not the amount of shot. It's what's in it that counts. So in a one, in a big glass of water, the salt is diluted that many times. In a small glass, you're getting a concentrated dose, but you're exactly getting the same amount. So just by me giving you half a vaccine, it's not going to do anything because you're still going to get the same amount of the, the antigen. So hope that explains it better. And it's 
it's all it's immunology is a different kind of science it's not the same as others so i mean my husband is an immunologist and and i study we all study immunology as vets and but it's hard for us to explain it but this is the simplest way i can explain it is that it's a pinch of salt in a pinch of salt you need a pinch of salt whatever size you are to develop an immune response whether that immune that the pinch of salt you get it in a big glass of water or a small glass of water it doesn't matter it's the same thing you're going to still get that yeah okay so <laughs> any questions any other questions anything else you want me to address on the vaccine topic sound i can't hear you and Is that better? Much better. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that is very helpful to clarify that because I think that was something going around for a while that even confused me for a little while where it was like, what you're giving that this little dog, the amount that's the same amount for it's too much. It's like the amount for an elephant kind of thing. And it was kind of, um, no. so it's not dose funny. dependent. That's the key word to remember is vaccines are not dose dependent. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So yeah. So you, there's no. I explain it to my things that way because it's like it's the concentration that matters. It's not the amount of volume of the vehicle we call it. What the vaccine is actually suspended in. It doesn't matter. So don't worry that your pet is getting too much. We wouldn't. And remember this. Uh, every single veterinarian who chose to become a vet. did it because they love animals we don't want to harm them either and we don't have the same emotional bond you have with your pet but all of us want to do right by your pet okay so and the vaccine companies have huge liability too so they wouldn't be advocating the same dose for a small animal and a big animal if they thought uh, that was that was wrong they can't there's a huge liability involved so but that's the explanation and i think uh, more and more vets should explain it better so i think it's the lack of education the vets should explain it to the pet owner when they bring their pet in why we do what we do and then there wouldn't be any issues and yeah. uh, on the whole there's like a mistrust that i find more and more lately about because many vets are refusing to work with the pet, with the pet owners and as like this is the rule and this is how it's done that's not how it's supposed to be at the end of the day the pet belongs to you and it's my job to explain things better to you so that you feel comfortable taking the treatment from me right if there's no trust you can't have a good relationship and i mean there's even a saying in sanskrit that if you don't believe and trust your doctor the medicine isn't going to work mm-hmm. so you That's have to have base so if your gut feeling is not good then i would say come back and maybe it's okay go with that and if you don't have a good feeling then maybe you should come back see them again discuss with them and make sure that you're all on the same page and you feel comfortable giving that particular treatment you know yeah yeah and i and i would even say i mean usually i think it is about just communication because even sometimes like everyone that's or i'm sure you are very uh busy very busy and so i think sometimes we forget about that and we can 
it's because it's our fur kids. Yeah. So sometimes we'll get upset, like, oh, what's going on? And, the, you know, they haven't called me yeah. back yet. And I'm waiting. I don't know what's going on. And we have to remember that. But mm -hmm. it's that communication and speaking up and feeling empowered to speak up for yeah. your pet and say, I'm confused. I'm just wondering, is there another thing we can do? Is there, I'm worried about yeah. X, Y, and Z. And if they don't respond to that, then like you said earlier, then maybe you need to look into finding someone who's better fit. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Is a good fit for your family. Like uh, in my clinic, both in my holistic clinic down uh, at the Bag of Bones Barker in Hamilton, in the Longevity Veterinary Clinic, we make it a point to respond to client emails. Not many veterinarians do that. We always respond to your emails. And we And that's like, I can't email my doctor suddenly and expect answers, but I do provide that service because I know how anxious you can get and and that's very important communication and explaining to them why I'm doing what I'm doing yes time is sometimes a problem but this is the thing if you're willing to pay for your vet's time because they are on an extremely right now there's a huge DVM shortage so every vet is oversubscribed and there are some vets who are literally refusing to take on new clients it's that busy for us and all of us want to do the best for the pet so you can only work so long so please remember that their time is valuable but those days are gone when vets gave you seven minute appointments. Now the minimum is 15 minutes and I give my clients a minimum of half hour. My client, my consultation is first consultation is an hour and the subsequent ones are 30 minutes. I don't do anything less than that simply because I cannot explain and do justice to the pet if I don't give that much time. It's easy in conventional medicine. Just come give it a couple of shots and send it home. That's not how it works. We have to explain and have a rapport. So if you are willing and you can ask for a double consultation time, most practices will allow it mm -hmm. if you have a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So I would follow that route if you wanted more time with your vet. And, and a majority of them will be able to do it if they have the time and the facility. You know? What do you think the shortage is? I see, I see Tammy's mentioning, I, I think that's New Mexico is definitely needing more good vets and centers. What, what is that about, the shortage? What, is N, what does she mean by NM? I'm assuming New Mexico. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I would have assumed that was uh, more holistic, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. New so if you, go, if you go to the American Veterinary Holistic Medical Association website, you will see a list of all the holistic vets in your area. Okay. So I'm sure there might be somebody close to you who you can. And a lot of vets are also able to do virtual appointments. So I do sometimes do online consultations and, and stuff. But the problem is the jurisdiction, because you see, nobody knows for a fact if I'm licensed in New Jersey, am I allowed to treat an animal in New York? In reality, it should be straight and simple. You should be able to treat any animal in the world. But because of insurance and liability and all these things, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. I have to be licensed. I can't even treat my brother's dog who's in Texas because I'm not licensed to treat in Texas, yeah. you see. Yeah. So yeah. in the United States, there's this whole thing about states having their own licensing rules and stuff. When I worked in England, at the moment I, I got my Royal College uh, uh exams done and I got my licensing I could practice anywhere in the whole of England Scotland and Wales oh, wow. but it's not the same in the USA so 
that's why a lot of us i mean obviously we on an we might do it on a friendly basis but we can't do it as a profession i can't just go and start treating a pet in some other state without being licensed in that state or even giving advice because we live in an extremely litigious society mm-hmm. and yeah we have probably, the same thing as therapists you know, that you can't it's state yes, by state yes. and there's been a lot of that like well there's a shortage of therapists. Why don't, you know, there were some things that were changed a little bit during COVID where they were allowing some, a little bit more leeway, but now it's like, now we're going to review it again and shut it down. It's like, yeah. So somebody asked, why is there a a therapist? Yeah. Like what? In the world difference doesn't make, but. (laughs) So the short, I mean, nobody knows for a fact why there's a huge shortage, but I think it's down to the fact that, um, um, there's a lot of burnout in veterinarians because uh, a lot of them are exhausted. The highest suicide rate uh, mm-hmm. is dentists and doctors and veterinarians, dentists and veterinarians, because it's a very, how shall I say, an intense job. You And you study so hard, you want to do your best, but not everything goes as you plan. So that's one thing. A lot of women are now in the veterinary industry as opposed to men. Like now, a majority of veterinarians are women, and a lot of them take time off. They go part-time once they qualify, and they have to manage juggle family and stuff. So that's one thing. And I also think that during COVID, people went and got pets because they didn't know what else to do. They were at home, so the kids were bored, so the people went and got a lot of pets. So now there's more pets and not enough veterinarians. Mm. So that's another thing. And a lot of foreign veterinarians used to come and take exams here to qualify and practice in this country. A lot of these exams could not be uh, conducted because of COVID. So they had stopped a lot of Mm -hmm. foreign veterinarians coming in. So all that is now created a huge DVM shortage. And I heard it's the same in the human side as well. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take a while for this shortage to get better Mm -hmm. because there's more pets. Right. Yeah. So on, yeah. The one, on the one hand, it's good that there's more pets, that people open their homes to more animals. But yeah, on the flip side, well, <laughs> create that. We, yeah. yeah, shortage. And also the thing is, once they go back to work now, because most of them work from home, mm-hmm. most of the pets are being returned to uh, rescues yeah. again, which is terrible. Is and terrible. I'm seeing a lot of separation anxiety in these pets mm-hmm. because they're not used to having nobody at home. Right. Yeah. That's so, why, yeah, we know. have to do more. What What do you suggest for that as far as, like, what can people do to to help with that? With separation anxiety? Yeah, at home. And I, by the way, I sent out an email to people, and for some reason I wrote in the email, I realized, I don't know if you saw it, but I wrote, you can heal your pet, and I put at home as the name of your book. And so that was a mistake. If anyone got that email, it's just, you can heal your pet is the name of the book. <laughs> so... I, why did we call it You Can Heal Your Pet? It was because, I don't know if you, Louise Hay wrote You Can Heal Your Life. And she's a famous Hay House author. And she wrote about how you can help because it's all about taking responsibility for your health. So it's the same with your pet's health. Rather than just going to the vet and expecting them to fix everything, it's good that you can do it yourself. And the bond between you and your pet is so strong that you can, and healing has a lot to do with food. So by feeding the right food, by communicating with your pet properly, by giving them, take, going then taking them to see the right veterinarian, by doing tighter testing instead of over vaccination, by making sure you only medicate them as necessary, by giving them supplements. So all these 
are things that you can do as an owner, which is why we say you can heal your pet rather than the vet can heal your pet. Because healing is different from treating and curing. That's a whole different chapter we'll talk about another time. But that's why we decided to write, use the name you can heal your pet because you have the power provided you uh, you take responsibility and learn things and do it the right way. And that's where energy healing and communication is a huge thing. I'm a big, I was a skeptic until I met Elizabeth Weider. And also after my own experience in energy healing communication, I know, Anne, you do a lot of it yourself. And I strongly advise people to take a course in energy healing and take a course in animal communication. Uh, I think you have uh, your own training uh, online, correct? I do. I actually have, if anyone wants to grab it, I have a free 90 minute class. Thank you for that <laughs> uh, little plug there. Yes. And there's a little QR code too. If people just want to put their phones up, you can grab this class through doing that or go to uh, my website, intuitivetouchanimalcare.com. And that'll take you out to the site that houses my, cl- my classes right now. I don't know if I'm going to keep that out there forever. So I'll just give you my site and then you can get, you can get there through that. But you can also use this QR code, but that's a free class. You can get started and I have other, you know, you can take other courses there too, but that will get you started at no cost to you. So definitely do this with your pets. They need it. They need, um, they need that connection. And if you're going to go be going back to work, like Dr. Satish said, if you're going to be changing your schedule, you can let them know that you can tell them that this is going to, you can show them time. You can show them how this is going to work, that maybe this new person's going to be coming in every day to take them out or, you know, whatever's going to be going on. You can do it for vacations too. So, yeah, whenever I've uh, done communications, um, a lot of pets have said, um, I wish they would explain to me what was happening rather than expect me expecting me to guess. And this is another thing I'm sure you felt that too, is the problem is not about talking to your pet. It's about listening to them. Mm-hmm. We are great at talking and going na 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 na, and I know people who have full blown conversations and with their pet, which is great. But are you spending that quiet time to sit and listen to what they have to say? And a lot of us, if we can train like you're you're teaching, and Elizabeth used to teach, and a um, lot of other communicators, is that we basically teach them to listen to their pet, mm-hmm. see what they're trying to tell us, and that's where you can make a difference to them. Because I've had some amazing insights because of the owner telling me I have this feeling and sometimes I think it's not a feeling that your pet told you that that's how you got that feeling and I never say that's not that's not possible because I trust their intuition because a lot of times because they're so in tune and the pet is trying to tell them that in many ways they might have heard that and that's why they think such and such is happening and 90% of the time they are correct they are right and I listen to them I do my own exam and I have my own procedure but I'll also take into account I don't quickly you know completely say oh no that can't be right because there's uh, and and that's because I think your pet has tried to communicate with you many times. We just haven't had the mental um, calmness to listen because you have to reach, be calm and grounded and in that Zen mode to be able to listen to them. Yeah, so that's very important. And I strongly, strongly advocate if you have the time and don't think it's a gift and only some people can do it. Right. Anybody yeah. can learn to communicate and be intuitive, provided you have the right frame of mind, the patience, and you have the time 
to yeah. spend quiet time with your pet. I sometimes say, pet, sometimes put special music and sit quietly and mm -hmm. you will be able to hear. And like they say, he tells me so much just by looking into his eyes. That's exactly mm -hmm. the same with the pet. You can look into their eyes, talk to them and listen, you know? Right. Yep. And like you said, it's so much about just taking the time to do it. Cause I do, I agree with you. I think everybody who has a desire to do it can do it. And most of the time when I'm teaching, when I start working with a student directly, immediately we're able to talk. Well, not what's in the first few hours of the class. Part of what I do is help yeah. them to recognize when they have spoken to animals previously. And it's just always beautiful to hear people begin to see they begin to see make the connection oh yeah that really was me hearing them it's mm. just we're not taught necessarily to acknowledge it as as being yeah. what that is so and how wonderful that you're doing that for people that you're giving them that gift as a veterinarian of um yeah this and that I'll a lot of, uh, at least I do three communications and energy healing sessions a week. So what I do is I do, I'm trained in Reiki and energy healing. So I do the energy healing. And then during that time, I can also tune into them and ask them certain questions and stuff. And that's quite popular, both in both my clinics, both in down south and up here in longevity. I have a lot of animals that uh, come in for that. And, and sometimes I've found answers to mystery like what's going on and that time I'll, I'll advise a communication so we can get to the bottom of sometimes what's going on because a lot of times it's to do with a uh, pet interaction sometimes it's to do with and 90% of the time this is what I'm sure you've experienced too when I ask them what the problem is they always point to the owner yeah, that she has this problem. <laughs> and remember that physically you and your pet are separate bodies, but energetically you are the same. You mm -hmm. have that same energy. And a lot of times what you're going through, uh, clients will tell me, oh my God, you've just described me to the T when I'm describing the pet, mm -hmm. what they're going through. Because yeah. uh, pets, um, uh, very famous animal communicators have said that um, animals have the sole purpose of coming into our lives to heal us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they take on our illnesses, our problems to kind of heal because they love us so and love us so unconditionally. They have a soul contract sometimes. I'm sorry if this is all sounding a bit too woo woo. Well, but no, this, this is an animal communication. I mean, <laughs> you're in the right yes. place. You have the right people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but there's, it's like with people, when you believe in the connections we have with certain individuals and why we suddenly feel like we know them, we've known them forever. So it's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, with, I do um, find a lot of times people and their pets have the same health issues going on. Um, yeah, 100%, yes. And it's weird. In fact, I've seen some cases where somebody who was very close to the pet deceased and six months later, the pet has exactly the same disease. And I've seen persons say, oh my God, my dog has diabetes? I've just been diagnosed with diabetes. It's very, very yeah. common. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have the same illnesses in the same family. I have a thyroid problem. My pet has a thyroid problem. Yeah. So, and then I sometimes give this opportunity I say okay come we have to do a combined healing you and the pet together because I'm also trained as a human energy healer so sometimes I would give them a combined healing so yeah that's a good, uh, because Mel Mac is saying I worry about Joe Tegan and also we don't want to say that just because your your pet has something going on 
that you you gave it to them or that you caused no it. no no you have to think about it in a, as a journey but there's a reason that you're together yeah yeah, you're being aware but, of it, Mel Max. So that's what's important. There's no yeah. need to feel guilty, and she doesn't yeah. have to think. Oh my God, is he going to take on that illness? It doesn't happen every time, and a lot of times. That's why I tell the owners to tell their pet that I'm okay. I'm handling it well. You don't need to do this for me. Something as simple as that, and it mm -hmm. doesn't always. It works, and they say, "Oh, he understands every word I say." I've heard that a zillion times from clients. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. Tell them you're fine. You're dealing with it. You're going to get better, and all you need is his love. And he doesn't need to take on it. Your yeah. condition. Mm -hmm. Just be open with him, and it shouldn't happen. It's when you bottle up and you're miserable, and they feel that they're being blamed for some problems. It's like that, but. Don't, there's no need to panic or feel guilty or think that this is going to happen every time. It doesn't always happen. But as I said, that's, that's called a soul contract. And sometimes mm -hmm. things happen and I've seen it. And I've said, yes, maybe you should both heal yourselves together and follow the same thing. Go on a healthy diet. Go do more exercise together. Listen to more calming music. Avoid watching all the news and getting stressed about it. Things like that, because mm -hmm. simple things that stress you out. I had a dog that had severe PTSD about a fire mm -hmm. because every time uh, the dog was in a fire with the owner and it saw how panic stricken everybody was. So just the word fire would cause severe mm -hmm. reaction in the pet. So uh, I've, it's, it's, they take, they are so sensitive to your every emotion, how you behave, how you react. They know exactly what you, what's going on with you. Even though they might not have the ability to rationalize things like we do, they can understand it very well on an emotional, le emotional level. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I say, we say don't argue in front of your kids. It's exactly the same with pets. Don't argue in front of your pets too, because they totally, totally, feel it. When I've yeah. done communications, they've said, they tell me how scared they are of yeah. the argument and they blame themselves, you know? So I strongly advise people to treat pets as they would their kids and show them the same amount of respect and oh, maybe the pet should go to a different room, don't raise your voice or go and do that because otherwise in most pets will internalize and think they are the cause of the argument. So it's a big responsibility. So when people say, oh, I'm just getting a pet or just collecting a lot of pets, I always say that you have to understand that it's a lifetime commitment, not your lifetime. I mean, if it's a turtle or a parrot, it could be your whole generation that has to take yeah. care. Many <laughs> generations after you because they live a long life. Yeah. But for dogs and cats, they they live, what, maximum 18 years, if you are very, very lucky. And you have to be committed to that amount of time, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's it's these are all little things. That's why we wrote the book, because it's got different chapters. And I remember you asking me, I ha should I be reading the book from first to last? No. It's like a reference manual. So mm -hmm. there are different chapters for different things. So let's say you want to do some acupressure, then read the chapter called Fingers and Thumbs. If you want to know about energy healing, read the chapter on healing. If you want to know about a certain disease your pet has been diagnosed with, there's a whole A to Z. You can just pick that and you can see there's a part where I've written what vets would do and there's a part what you can do. So 
follow the recipes that we've done lots lots of recipes elizabeth is a fantastic cook and she cooks a lot for animals and her pets and so she has a lot of wonderful recipes there that you can pick up to cook at home for your pets if you so are inclined to and there's this chapter on the vaccinations there's a chapter on letting go and most of the communications i end up doing are when people are not sure if it's time to let go yeah Mm-hmm. of their pet and majority of the time i can tell and i'm sure you have felt that too that sometimes but remember sometimes you might never know when your pet is going to go because they will not tell you to protect you yeah because they don't want you to hurt so sometimes they will just go without letting you know because that's how this they, they do in the wild that they'd go away mm-hmm. away from the pack and let go so you might never know if the pet doesn't they only reveal what they want to reveal yeah. so it helps having that honest conversation with them if you if you really want to know and be a part of their crossing over that having a conversation about i can handle it i want to be there for mm. you and make this you don't have to hide it. it but we do have to then make sure we can do that and we're ready for that <laughs> that we are dealing with our own feelings about yeah. that so we're not but you know, a lot of times pets hang on <clears throat> because they don't they're worried for you yeah. they always mm-hmm. tell me things like i don't know if she's going to be able to handle it and that's when i tell the owner you need to give them permission to go and tell them mm-hmm. you've done enough for me you're so valuable but i can cope and i want you to go in peace and i don't want you to suffer anymore so that kind of permission is very important and for all my three pets that passed i gave them permission and i never had to euthanize them they just passed in my arms mm-hmm. so you can uh, tell them that it's time for them to go i mean at the end of the day they go when they're ready but you have to give them permission if you think they are really really suffering so that's what i would say and there's a lot of wonderful books out there by psychics and by elizabeth kubler ross she wrote about mm-hmm. death and dying and there's a lot of uh, veterinary books on pets and afterlife and stuff i recommend people to read that i also give what is called bereavement counseling when people have lost their pets because a lot of times they need that closure otherwise they are emotionally disturbed and i care as much about the pet guardian as i do about the pet because a lot of times it this they are all connected yeah same family that's you know? wonderful so, you do all this i don't know how you have the time to do all these things but I, <laughs> uh when she ta- she's all over the place i actually have links well first of all this is the amazon link it's a little hard i know but just if you just go to amazon look for you can heal your pet is that your preferred place for people to go for the book? yeah they can go and get it from there they can go and get it straight from hay house but amazon is fine and okay. they can get it from there they can mm-hmm. go to i think we used to have links on our websites this now, is the website i don't think yeah but i don't think i do it anymore okay um, and this is your 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 personal practices rohini's holistic holistic pet care That's my main website which tells you about me and then it tells you how you can book an appointment with me but as i say i work uh, only fridays in my own clinic down south because it's too far away for me to travel so i spend majority of my time at longevity veterinary center which is very holistic and it's oh, in yeah. whippany yeah, so it's too. yeah no. that's the no. No. longevity vet center oh, there is a holistic yeah. pet care and jayer is that did i get the right site that's 
that's used to be the old address, but now oh. it's called Longevity Vet Center. Mm-hmm. So you can find it through there, I think. So that's where I am Monday, Tuesday. Okay. And Wednesdays, I tend to do surgery. I'm a surgeon, so I like to do surgery and keep my hands in because I don't want to lose my surgical skills. So I do a lot of surgery at Wayne Valley Animal Hospital, which is next to Whole Foods in Wayne. And I am primarily do there, but I will see the odd client there too if they can't make their way to either other practice that they have to be seen and they only want to see me, mm-hmm. then I will see them in those clinics. So right. I'm kind of, I kind of work all, five days a week right now. down New Jersey, up and <laughs> like for people who aren't from New Jersey, that's, that's like it's very yeah. different locations, like North, South, Hamilton and Wayne, very, mm-hmm. you're all over, you must have a lot of energy. I, I have to give you credit for uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I have to take a lot of a lot of ginseng to give me energy (laughs) (laughs) and heal myself. Sometimes I have to do a lot of healing on myself. Yeah, yeah, it's a vocation. I call it a vocation. It's not a profession. It's a vocation. And when you feel, I remember this was about nineteen ninety three, ninety four, and I had this wonderful friend called Crystal Rogers and she was a British lady who was in India helping stray dogs and she said to me, don't, she said, she was like a psychic and she said to me, you have to follow the path of St. Francis of Sissi. That is your vocation. And he was the patron saint of animals. And he said that to me and it has forever remained in my Uh um, subconscious mind and I try to do my best. Yeah, and as I said, I would love to teach more and do more work and train more, mentor more veterinarians to be more holistic. It's just finding the time. But the positive thing is there's more and more vets becoming very holistic. It's all about demand. So there's as more and more clients demand holistic vets, there'll be more vets trained to become more holistic. So it is. And as I said, I'm, I call myself integrative. I try and use the best of both worlds. I use the best of conventional medicine and the best of holistic medicine to give do what's right by that particular pet. And that's why it's called personalized, tailor-made medicine. And you get the best, the uh, maximum benefit and cause no harm and don't let them suffer. Yeah. Well, we are very blessed to have you. We're in this area. And so people who are not in New Jersey can't necessarily take advantage of your veterinary skills, it sounds like. But would they be reaching out to you for any, is there anything you do outside of New Jersey or are you kind of just limited to your online stuff? Some still? of them will reach out to me through my website. There's a link on my website through which they can email me sometimes. And I, if it's something simple, I will email them and I, I do do that sometimes. But it's getting more and more difficult because of how busy I am. But maybe sometimes coming on a channel like this, I might be able to give some uh, answers and and I, can, I might be, as I said, go to the AV American Veterinary Holistic Medical Association and look for the nearest holistic vet. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm sure there's more and more of us. And we are allowed to do, I think, some telephone consultations, but, the treat, but you have to be registered with your a regular vet in your own state. Oh. And then... I I had to do a consultation for somebody in England and stuff like that. But eventually they have to be registered with the local vet and take their advice too. But sometimes I have done like liaison with them and Mm -hmm. we have worked together. So mm, that can happen. Yeah. So if it's something very worrying, then they can email me through my website. 
Okay, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. We are all very appreciative for all of this information. This is a wealth of knowledge. I hope that we can have you back. I hope you'll come back, is what I mean to say, if you're willing. Hopefully, if time permits. Yeah, time permits. It's pretty yeah. hectic, but yeah. yeah, I try my best because the more I love to educate and empower pet guardians. So this is one way, and I, I'm thankful to you and for letting me come on this show and share my knowledge absolutely thank you so much and everybody who's been here watching and in the chat we really appreciate it. everyone who's watching the replay thank you so much and have a good rest of your evening day or wherever you are whatever time it is and thank you very much thank you thank you i love a nice massage and a belly rub Nothing makes me feel more relaxed. I like my ears rub. I like my paws rub. I like my back rub. I like my tail rub. I like to relax while I have a massage. It's my Rub my belly, rub my belly, rub my belly, my belly, my belly. Rub my belly, rub my belly, rub my belly.